The Blunt Post with Vic. Good morning, happy Monday, and welcome to The Blunt Post with Vic. I am your host, Vic Jaramie, the editor and publisher of The Blunt Post. The Blunt Post with Vic is a program that covers national, regional, and local headline news, offers analysis and commentary, and I interview members of Congress, local elected officials, and other high-profile public figures. Robert Luna recently completed his service as the chief of police for the city of Long Beach. He capped off a 36-year career at the Long Beach Police Department, the country's second largest police department. With an impressive background, great vision for LA, and respect from the community, Robert is the leading candidate for LA Sheriff. He's already had many endorsements uh, from organizations and individuals, uh, such as Los Angeles County Democratic Party, uh, various labor organizations, such as the Los Angeles County Federation of Labor, uh, Stonewall Democratic Club, and various members of Congress, such as uh, Congressman Brad Sherman, Congresswoman Judy Chu, and Congressman Ted Liu. Good morning, Robert. Thank you for being on the Blunt Post with Vic this morning. How are you today? Uh, good morning, Vic. Uh, I'm doing excellent. I'm uh, up and ready to go. Yeah, you're going to have a, a long time to be doing that, too, because congratulations. According to the latest polls, including LA Times, you are uh, 10 points. You have a 10 points lead over uh, Sheriff Villanueva for obviously the LA Sheriff election, which is coming up, you know, in just weeks. So uh, congratulations on that. Thank and you. so a lot of our listeners know you and your campaign, what you bring to the table, but some are probably not going to. So if we can hear from you, uh, your background, instead of me telling them your incredible background uh, and your achievements and, and the credentials, if you can just tell us sort of like, how did we end up here after a, a brilliant career with, uh, with the Long Beach Police Department, and now you're running for LA Sheriff? Yeah, again, good morning, Vic, and thank you so much for uh, this opportunity to, to have me on and uh, for more people to uh, get to know me. Uh, so uh, for everybody who doesn't, uh, my name is Robert Luna, and I am running to be your L.A. County Sheriff. And uh, what I tell people is I'm running because I absolutely care about people. It's important uh, not only to know who I am and how I I'll begin with the listeners, and I, I tell people that you're listening to a person uh, who wanted to be a police officer from a very early age. I estimate uh, maybe the first or second grade. Uh, and uh, that wasn't an easy journey for me. Uh, I grew up or was born uh, and lived uh, up until about the fourth grade in the unincorporated area of East Los Angeles. I was the oldest of three kids. My father migrated here from Sinaloa, Mexico. Uh, he had a seventh grade education and he was a janitor. Uh, my mother uh, was born in Modesto, California, uh, and the reason she was born in Modesto is because it was farm country, and her family were migrant farmers from Michoacan, Mexico, and uh, she sold food on the streets uh, to make ends meet. Uh, I didn't learn English until I went to grade school, uh, so my parents uh, spoke primarily Spanish, and uh, so I, I witnessed a, a lot of social inequity, social injustice growing up. 
And, and that's important for people to know because I never forget where I come from. And it grounded me in what I call relationship-based policing. Uh, but uh, when I talk about that first or second grade experience, I remember uh, seeing a sheriff, LA County Sheriff's deputy uh, in uniform coming to my cl classroom. And I had what I call a Batman and Robin moment. Uh, it was like, wow, that's what I want to do. I was so excited. But uh, where I grew up and what I just described to you, uh, the community I lived in, the family I grew up with, even though we respected the police, uh, we didn't. There wasn't much of a relationship. So trying to talk my parents into, hey, wanting to be a police officer, uh, that wasn't the easiest thing to do. But uh, as you can tell, I ended up becoming a police officer. So as my journey continued, uh, it took me to the city of Long Beach, and I served our uh, amazing community in Long Beach for 36 years. Those 36 years, I moved around the department. I worked gangs, I worked narcotics, I worked SWAT, uh, canine homicide. And then at one point, I decided to start promoting. And I promoted through every rank at the Long Beach Police Department. Uh, and I was appointed as the first Latino police chief uh, in the city's history in 2014, where I served as chief for seven years, uh, very successfully. Uh, and Long Beach, for those of you who do not know, is the second largest city in LA County. Uh, it is a large city, a very progressive and diverse community. Not the easiest uh, place to be a police chief, but yeah. I succeeded. And I'm very proud of our service. And I'm gonna pause there because I'd like to talk about some of my accomplishments while I was a chief of police, but I'm gonna pause to see if you have any questions thus far. Yeah, in fact, what I'm about to ask you after we cover that, it'll be a good place to go back to your accomplishments because what I'm curious to know is, so, you know, every four years when it comes to the national election, we, we say, oh, this is the deciding year. This is the most important year. This is pivotal. Everyone should vote. This can change the course of history. Uh, and it's, it's certainly been true for 20 years. I think more than ever, at least in my memory, this is very true for LA, this election. I feel like LA is in this very sort of transitional, uh, it's in a very interesting place where a lot of the, lot of the elections and what happens and what gets passed uh, really will shape our future. I think this is a very pivotal year for LA more than any other year in terms of elections that I can remember. First, what is your perspective about of where we are as a city? Uh, you can talk about Greater Southern California, Greater LA, or just LA, where you'll be the, the sheriff. What's your perspective as to where we are, the state of it, and our challenges? Yeah, that's an excellent question. And uh, I, I generally like to be positive. And I, although I do agree that we have some challenges, think about this for all of your listeners. When we could tell people that we live here in Southern California, specifically in LA County, this is where people want to come in vacation. This is where people want to bring their families. And we are so blessed because we live here. And yes, you know, we have our challenges. Uh, the trajectory of crime uh, is starting to go in a direction that it shouldn't. Uh, we do have some challenges with the unhoused. Uh, and other challenges that people uh, talk about. 
But this is where we really need leadership. So when you talk to the importance of this election, you are 100% correct. We need leaders who are positive, uh, who are encouraging, who bring people together uh, and don't blame one another for the challenges and really recognize the special things we have, but also recognizing that, uh, remember that song, uh, I Love L.A.? Yeah. Uh, and it was uh, like a special song. Uh, I think we need to bring that back and, and really talk about the great things that are going on. And then let's work on those areas uh, where we can make, we can have a vision uh, that, you know, the county of LA is a safe place, a great place to bring your family uh, to, to go to school here and all those great things to have a business here. We need to get back to that. And that's why this election is so important, specifically the one involving the sheriff of L.A. County. Indeed. So I think we should weave your accomplishments and your background and what gives you the strength and the experience to, to hold this office. We should just go down to your priorities, which is very similar to, <clears throat> or I mean, it's identical to the priorities and concerns of most voters. And then you can tell us uh, your experience and how you intend to tackle those. Uh, starting with, you know, as you mentioned, in a way, you said, you know, the, the violent crimes are going up, uh, starting with reducing violent crimes and uh, property crime. Yeah, uh, and that is a top priority. The job of a sheriff is to make sure that you and your families are safe. And that is my number one priority. And uh, not only do I talk about this, but I've actually succeeded in it when I was a police chief in Long Beach. During my seven-year tenure in Long Beach, I reduced violent crime by 6.5%, reduced property crime by 10%. And how did we do that? By being data-driven, by looking at our community and other entities as partners that we co collaborate with to make sure that we're on the same page. Uh, and and understanding each other's needs, listening is an important component of that. Uh, the other thing is uh, looking at national best practices across this country, what's working, uh, what's not. Uh, that becomes very important. And then this leadership fact, no excuses. Let's not blame other people. Uh, let's take it upon ourselves to look in the mirror and say, how are we going to correct this? and then apply that to our leadership and management approach uh, with our employees. Uh, and then we go out there and start reducing crime. It is our job, it is our obligation, and that's exactly what I'm gonna do as the sheriff. That is number one. Uh, and if you don't mind, I'll just keep on going to the next. And the sure. next one is uh, restoring public trust, credibility, and accountability. And that's lacking, unfortunately, right now uh, with this sheriff who's in charge. So uh, again, I go back to my experience in Long Beach. Uh, we were building public trust. Um, uh, and we did that by uh, uplifting our what I call our ac accountability statistics. I talked about reduction in crime. We were also uh, uh, increasing police accountability by reducing our officer-involved shootings in Long Beach we were able to reduce them by 33% over my seven years. Uses of force by 29%. Uh, citizen complaints by 30%. How did we do that? 
by looking at our policies to make sure they either met or exceeded national standards, bringing on new training. Again, looking at what is happening successfully and failures around the country and making sure we're doing the best out of there, which included uh, de-escalation techniques, everything we could, including modernizing equipment to make sure we are doing those things. And then accountability, making sure that we are holding our employees uh, accountable uh, for their actions, pre-uses uh, of force and things of that nature. Uh, so that works. And that's working in conjunction with our community, not having what this sheriff does today, kind of an us versus them mentality. Uh, that's out the door for me. We need you to trust us and we need to earn that trust. And that's exactly what I'm going to do by the way we approach work. The next one for me is reforming, transforming, and modernizing the LA County Sheriff's Department. And mm -hmm. I talk about this a lot on the campaign trail that we, I plan on making this department what I call a 21st century Sheriff's Department. One that is forward thinking, that thinks out of the box, uh, one that collaborates, uh, uh, again, is not blaming other people, but bringing people in. Uh, it doesn't matter who gets credit for the work that we do. Uh, and that is a big deal. Number four is to impact homelessness. Mm -hmm. uh, homelessness right now is one of the biggest human crises that we're dealing with. And we all yes. need to be a part of it. Uh, yes. And the status quo to me is not working. So how do we do that? We work with everybody in government, non-governmental agencies to make sure that we break down the silos. Again, that part about who cares who gets credit uh, is in play here. Uh, and making sure that everybody who's making or getting dollars uh, from the government, both federal and state, are held accountable. Uh, for how they're using that money and how we're measuring it. Meaning if, why are we giving you money if you're not getting people off the street? Because we need a lot of help. And for me, as the sheriff, I tell people that I need more mental health beds, uh, more beds for the addicted. Mm -hmm. We need to help people. So you'll find me in Sacramento, Washington, D.C., advocating for those kind of services so we can help the people on the street. And then one more, I, I know I'm an overachiever here. Sometimes people say you got three. I've got so no, many, but that's I'm why we're doing this. We want to yeah, know. I'm winding it up with this one. Mental health care to me is very, very important. It's something that uh, we deal with on the street. And we're going to be very, very cognizant and aware of that. But what I'm talking about here is improving mental health for our employees. Uh, we have a epidemic of police suicides across the country. And being a police officer, a deputy, is one of the toughest jobs out there. Yeah. I believe that a lot of the misconduct that occurs is untreated trauma uh, that has occurred because of the, the kind of things that our employees see. So I want to make sure that we have the best mental health care for all of our employees, including our professional staff and their families, because that will have a lot to do with recruiting and retention of, of employees, especially if we're adding this component to our disciplinary process. I mean, if you commit something really bad uh, and you're an employee, uh, you you know do something completely unethical or illegal, you got to go. 
but everything else, let's try and get you some help so we can make you a productive employee who in turn treats our community members like gold. And that's what we want, right? Yeah. I want everyone to be treated like you would treat your family. That's what I'm going to go into. Yeah. This is The Blunt Post with Vic on KPFK 90.7 FM. My name is Vic Jarami, your host, and you are listening to my interview with Robert Luna, a veteran of the Long Beach Police Department and the leading candidate for L.A. Sheriff. I like so much of, of what you say and, and your beliefs and your plans because, you know, as someone who's had mental health challenges and uh, I'm very open about my, you know, being sober for over 14 years and such. So I have all the empathy for people who go through those things. And uh, they're so intertwined and, uh, you know, in, in the, in the challenges of the city in other ways, you know, for example, I think most people realize how just what a daunting challenge it is uh, to solve the unhoused issue in SoCal, which, um, which definitely is not a city, just a city problem. It's a nationwide problem. It's just that uh, California and Southern California specifically gets uh, a lion's share of the homeless. No one elected official agency, whether it's the County Board of Supervisors or the Sheriff's Department or the city or whatever, the, the council are going to solve this. And uh, I like I like that you're emphasizing on mental health, especially with police officers, because my take on all of this is sometimes we we only especially when things happen, we we sort of look at uh, law enforcement, you know, as the bad guys uh, and judge them by the misdeeds of one person. And I don't think as a society, we appreciate the kind of pressure, kind of risk, the kind of stress, the kind of trauma that law enforcement uh, is under, you know, during their shift uh, and that and, and the toll that it takes. And it's a balancing act, really, as and I think you said that you said if someone does something egregious, of course, they got to go. But we also want to balance that of that with getting them health. And it's and it's also a balancing act, I think, with the with the homelessness issue, because on one hand, you want to be you don't want to be inhumane and you don't want to criminalize or stigmatize being homeless and help them. But on the other hand, there are there are issues that rise up from, you know, whether it's an encampment in front of a restaurant or something like that. So I have all the respect uh, and admiration for law enforcement and really the daunting task of. Some of sometimes you guys have seconds to decide how you're going to handle that. You have seconds to decide which one applies to it. And of course, the rest of the world, the press, the, the critics are ready to like criticize if one decision was not made right or something just went wrong. So I just wanted to put that out there because I always want to really balance it and say, we've really got to look at this, that, that, you know, it's not so black and white. There's a lot of gray area and elected officials and law enforcement have to constantly sort of balance this gray area and try to do the right thing. Yeah. You're thank you for acknowledging that because the job isn't easy. We have incredible men and women who are out there 24 seven, who are very well uh, trained uh, in doing this job, but we're constantly evolving. We're getting better. Uh, we are making sure that others around us are getting better. We're looking at different ways of handling our business, especially we're talking about the uh, people suffering from mental illness or addiction, that we are looking at those alternative responses to make sure that we're getting people the help that they need. 
And it's not lost on me that uh, you said you were 14 years sober. Uh, and congratulations on that and you. your courage to talk about it because we need to do that more. Uh, we need to, to let people know it's okay to talk about it. Uh, it's okay to ask for help. Uh, and let's get yeah. people the help they need. Uh, very helpful yeah. to our community. Yeah. So let's go to the fact that you've, you know, you've had the endorsement of literally countless of elected officials, organizations, NGOs, bodies, unions, et cetera, including Eric, uh, Eric Strong, who I had on the show, who was, uh, who was uh, you know, running to be sheriff, and now he's endorsing you. Uh, Congressman Brad Sherman, whom I, I've interviewed before, and I respect immensely. Uh, Congressman Ted Liu, Congresswoman Judy Chu, and Assemblymember uh, Audrey Nazarian, among many, many, many. I don't want to get anyone to feel comfortable because we still have to vote, whether it's mailing in your ballot or actually showing up to vote. But you're you're definitely in the last in the next few weeks, you're going in very strong. How do you feel about that? How do you feel about like having all those endorsements on top of the fact that you are you are the favorite? Well, first of all, I'm extremely humbled by all the endorsements and support that I'm getting. Uh, and you're right from across LA County, from local officials, community members, state leadership. and But there's a reason for that. And that is, if you look at my body of work, in Long Beach, I have a reputation for working with people. Governing, you don't always see eye to eye, but you figure out a way to get things done. And at the end of the day, understanding that I'm put in this position, not to serve myself, but to serve the community. And the others who have come forward to endorse me, and you named a lot of them, they're people who are like-minded and they know I would do a very good job as the sheriff. Let me touch on something because you talked about Eric Strong. Uh, he's an amazing person. Uh, I've gotten to know him really well. And I'm thinking about all of the seven other candidates who ran for sheriff, who I have a lot of respect for. Uh, they're very courageous. Uh, you know, somebody like Eric and, and Carla, I can think of. I could go on and on with all of them that currently work at the sheriff's department. Uh, Eli Vera, who worked there, uh, Matt Rodriguez, uh, I, I mean, Britta, Cecil Rambo, uh, and April. I mean, all of them are amazing people, and they have all come out to endorse me uh, yeah. for sheriff. And they all love the sheriff's department and recognize that change needs to occur because the trajectory of the sheriff's department, because of its leader, is not going in a in, the, in a very good direction right now. Yeah, it definitely is not. Let's uh, let's let's be blunt about that. So uh, I am very confident about this. I'm I'm just so so impressed with uh, with your background and and you know looking at the list of endorsements. I mean, I couldn't even read it to the end because there were so many. I thought, okay, well, it's it just it speaks for itself. So congrats on that. And Vic, uh, I, I do, you did say this, and, and even though those endorsements are there and the polling numbers show what you show, we cannot win this election if if you don't go out and vote. Yep. And I really encourage everyone who's listening, do your homework and research on both candidates mm -hmm. uh, and uh, please feel comfortable. I want to earn your support. I want you to vote for me, but I also want you to look at my background and I want you to look at my opponent's background and then think of who's going to do the best job in the next four years 
And please, whatever you do, just don't ignore it or think that I'm ahead. He's going to win anyways. Don't do that. Go vote, please. No, absolutely not. We were, I was actually at a, at a, at a political rally about a week ago. Uh, and they talked about a local uh, election where someone lost because of four votes. So if you think, you know, your vote doesn't count, it does count. You know, you've heard this before, but you're going to have to hear it again because every vote counts. We cannot just sit up on our laurels. If nothing changes, nothing changes. If you want change in whatever it is that's bothering you in the city, uh, then you've got to change your ways. If you're one of those people that doesn't vote or votes selectively, because you've got to do your part. There's no magic wand. Even when Robert becomes uh, sheriff, he doesn't have a magic wand. He's got, you know, just just an enormous uh, amount of challenges to tackle, and we still have to partner and do our part. So, with that, Robert, I'm going to let you, um, uh, you know, say: Is there any question I should have asked you that I didn't? Is there anything you'd like to cover? And then also, if you can finish it with. Uh, uh, a call to action, give us your website so people can get in touch with you, donate, volunteer, whatnot. Yeah, thank you for, for that opportunity. And again, there is one other thing is a lot of people ask me this question. If I live in a city in the county and we have our own police department, can you still vote for sheriff? And the answer to that is absolutely yes. Uh, if you are a resident anywhere in Los Angeles County, you can absolutely vote and you should vote. So I expect you to go out there and let's do our civic duty uh, that day. Uh, and as we're wrapping up, I just want to make sure that you know that I am absolutely committed to being the best sheriff LA County has ever had. And I am a man of integrity. I hold myself accountable. I will hold my employees accountable and I will collaborate to make sure I keep you and your family safe that I will collaborate to make sure we improve our quality of life and bring back that vision for LA County of, hey, everybody should come here, everybody should feel safe here, but we're only gonna do that together. And I tell people, I'm not only building a coalition to be elected, I'm building a coalition to transform uh, the Sheriff's Department, uh, that we are thinking in a different way. We are in one with our community, and I want to give the Sheriff's Department back to where it belongs, and that's the community, the residents of Los Angeles County. So if uh, you would like uh, to support our campaign, you can uh, email us uh, or actually follow us at luna4forsheriff.com. Uh, and our, you can email the campaign at campaign at luna4forsheriff.com. Uh, we would really encourage you to follow us. We're doing a whole lot of things. It's a community-based effort. Uh, and I really pray that I can earn your support for the next sheriff of LA County. Again, my name's Robert Luna. Thank you. That was, um, uh, that was brilliant. So uh, again, that website is, is, uh, Luna, L-U-N-A, for F-O-R, Sheriff, S-H-E-R-I-F-F dot com. Uh, go on there and there's links to all of the social media and links to volunteer, donate, uh, be part of the campaign and follow uh, developments as they happen. And please go out and vote. Uh, Robert, thank you very much for taking the time to be uh, on the Blunt Post with Vic uh, and uh, hope to uh, chat with you uh, after your victory. 
Victor, thank you for this opportunity. And I wish all of you out there a safe and healthy day. Thank you very much. Thank you. That was my interview with Robert Luna, who after 36 years with the Long Beach Police Department is now the leading candidate for LA Sheriff. Uh, Robert, thank you very much for your time this morning. I appreciate it and hope to chat with you again soon. The Blunt Post with Vic. From serving as a police officer with the LAPD to chief of police in America's most progressive and conservative cities to top prosecutor, Los Angeles District Attorney George Gascon has reduced violent crimes in every leadership position he has held over his decorated 40-year career in law enforcement. Mr. Gascon has reduced racial disparities in the criminal justice system and has fought to end California's over-reliance on mass incarceration. Mr. Gascon has brought his data-driven reforms that are proven to enhance safety in the Los Angeles County. Good morning, George. Thank you for being on The Blunt Post with Vic this morning. How are you? I'm doing well, Vic. Good morning to you, too. So many of us were so excited to have a new chapter for Los Angeles and the district attorney's office. But of course, uh, you know, you can't uh, make everyone happy all of the time. So as a result of your very progressive and uh, courageous in a good way and daring in a good way, uh, changes that you have uh, implemented and are still trying to implement, there's always going to be some backlash. And, and the backlash is the, this sort of absurd recall election. Let me just ask you this just broadly. What do you think it's about? I mean, of course, I kind of said what I think, but uh, from your perspective, why is this happening? You know, I think there is a, a, there are a combination of things. I think that this is clearly a, a very uh, right-wing, uh, you know, many Trump supporters uh, are leading the charge here. You know, they're going after you know, progressive, they're going after Democrats, they're, they're trying to undo elections, you know, not only in LA County, but, uh, but around the country. Um, and, you know, in this case, certainly in the case of progressive prosecutors, what we're seeing is a very consistent uh, message is that they really aren't, uh, aren't about, you know, public safety or the safety of our community. It's really more about, you know, continuing to be a, a very uh, carceral approach to the work, uh, high punishment levels. When you look at it, what they're, you know, the things that really uh, come down to is they, they want to continue to see the death penalty. They want to continue to see, uh, you know, us seeking life without the possibility of parole. They want me to put kids in adult prisons. Uh, they want to continue to use our jails to uh, incarcerate the, uh, you know, the, the houseless and the mentally ill. And, uh, and really that's what it comes down to. There's nothing else there. Um, we have done a tremendous amount of work around community safety, uh, you know, taking a public health approach to dealing with violence, taking a trauma-informed approach to dealing with victims. They don't, they don't want to hear about any of that. You know, the, 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 the constant sound bites are, uh, you know, death penalty, kids going to adult prison, you know, those sort of things. So they continue to say, and when you look at the people behind it, certainly in my case, um, you know, the funding and the driving forces are very, very Republican driven. You know, you have a guy named Jeff uh, Palmer, who is a 
real estate developer in LA County, uh, a Trump mega donor, gave Trump about $2 million last year, puts a lot of money into Republican campaigns. We have, uh, you know, a former uh, director of the Los Angeles Police Detective League and former city councilman, you know, a Republican, very right wing. We have a former district attorney of LA County, uh, a guy named uh, Steve Cooley, again, a very right wing Republican. And then you have, you know, the police unions and all some of the other usual suspects. So it's, it's very, very right wing driven. And then they, they are using some people that have been, you know, have been victimized uh, that are seeking, you know, death penalty or very extreme punishments that are very traumatizing, quite frankly, in some ways almost abusing their trauma. Which is, by the way, not representative of where most victims are. You know, poll after poll shows that about 60% of the victims actually want to see trauma-informed care for the victims, but they all, and they also want to see rehabilitation. Uh, you know, we put together a victims' advisory board with people that are real victims, people that have suffered, people have lost loved ones to street violence or police violence. They're advising our practice. And, and then they attack those people and say, well, you're not a real victim. So it's just that, that viciousness about yeah. the, uh, what is going on. Yeah, it's the, it's the establishment in yeah. fear of losing their privilege and their status quo. <laughs> so they're, um, they're hitting back because yeah. uh, they don't want things to change. And yeah, I think you mentioned something like this, and it's astounding to me that when you argue with them, or at least debate with them, with numbers and data and info, um, they sort of like skip anything that's not supportive of their claim. Like the fact that we have, you know, so many people on death row in California, and how many hundreds of millions is spent uh, on them annually, and yet we still uh, don't want to realize that uh, you know capital punishment is just not the way to go. But, uh, you know, there's always going to be the minority that want to uh, keep a status quo and uh, claim that they are, you know, sort of like put people in fear by saying that if, uh, if you don't have this sort of old school way of uh, dealing with law enforcement and uh, the district attorney's office that, uh, you know, your neighborhoods are going to be unsafe and your kids are going to be kidnapped and all this sort of just like this tactics that, Donald Trump used very well for four years and it's happening all over again and unfortunately you're not the only one in California I think uh, the fact that California is such a solid blue does not sit well with uh, a lot of right-wing Republicans and uh, it's sad but it's uh, also our responsibility to publics to support elected officials like yourself who aren't really doing the work and don't just uh, talk about it during your campaign and it's not about rhetoric and sound bites but you've gone in and you've really um, made some major changes that majority of the people are very happy with and yet so when it comes to something like this then we all need to support you and keep supporting you and, and just come out because there's so few people that are willing to put themselves uh, where you've put yourself to get this kind of scrutiny unfairly. So with that, I want to ask you, like, where is this, what's the status of this recall campaign? What's happening currently? Yeah, you know, so uh, the uh, the organizers of the recall, uh, they're 
seeking signatures. Uh, interestingly enough, if you look, a lot of the places where they're collecting signatures are around gun stores, uh, bail bonds uh, offices, you know, very, very predictable Cliché. places. Um, but, you know, we're, we're seeing also a tremendous amount of misinformation in the signature gathering, you know, that we'll be telling people, uh, do you believe that victims of crime should be protected? Uh, and you say, yes, well, you should sign for this recall. You know, they, <laughs> that, that's basically the, the, the approach that they are, they're taking. Um, and, you know, and unfortunately in some communities, you know, obviously the misinformation people, you know, people will say, of course I want the victims of crime to be protected. Um, and what we have seen is we have seen uh, small cities around the county, generally in the very conservative areas where you have uh, Republicans in, in the city council or you have members of law enforcement in the city council or family members of member law enforcement. Uh, you know, they're, they're going, uh, without any, any dialogue or conversation, uh, they'll put a, a, a no confidence vote on the agenda and they'll, they'll pass it without, without any real conversation. When you try to address the issues that they raise, they, they don't want to hear them, you know. So it's kind of, we're seeing the same thing, right? We have people that denied that January 6th occurred, right? right? We have former President Trump saying people were hugging and kissing, even though you can see the video uh, of people being assaulted and police officers killed. Um, but, you know, if you if you go to Fox News or one of those conservative mediums, uh, you know, I guess people were hugging and kissing. I, I, I You know, it's, it's, it's mind-boggling, but that's the same thing that we're seeing here. You know, we have not stop prosecuting violent crime. To the contrary, we're actually shifting more sources to prosecute violent crimes. We're just simply not seeking the death penalty or those extreme punishment that we know that do not work. Uh, but they don't talk about that. You know, we have actually right. created the first uh, on the country victims advisory board with with a number of victims of, of very violent crimes who actually want to make sure that we're providing trauma-informed care and they want to rehabilitate the system and they assault those victims. So it's a, you know, it's a, a that's basically where it is. On the other side of the coin, you know, we have tremendous amount of community support. Um, you know, we're getting uh, people across uh, economic and racial lines. We have, uh, you know, labor has uh, really jumped uh, other than, than police labor, of course. Uh, we now have a website that is a group that has put together community groups. It's called stanwithgascong.org, and I encourage those that are interested in learning more or supporting to please go to that website. So, you know, we're, we're going to fight hard. The, the first threshold is they need to collect the signatures. They need to have approximately 600,000 valid signatures in L.A. County. Um, and we're going to do everything that we can to, to educate the public and keep them from getting the signatures. If they do get the signatures, then obviously uh, we will fight this. I think it's, there's also an important point here for the public to understand. In the L.A. County, as well as the state of California, it would be almost impossible today for a Republican to get elected uh, for, for a countywide or statewide office. The only way that there's a path for them is through a recall, because if you can actually get enough people upset to the current state of affairs through misinformation and they say yes to the recall, then the next 
option is to to vote for one of the many people that are there. Obviously, the person that is being the subject of the recall cannot be there. And what we're seeing is we're seeing Republicans stacking the deck. Mm-hmm. And much like we saw with uh, with uh, the the election of Arnold Schwarzenegger years ago, where he got right. elected the first time with about 30% of the vote, you could have the same thing happening either in uh, in, in the state or or certainly in LA County. We we know that, for instance, former District Attorney Steve Cooley has already uh, talked about he would run again uh, because he would qualify to run under a recall setting. So people need to understand. You know, a guy like Steve Cooley could never get elected in L.A. County today. It's just the, the votes are not there for that. But they would be on a, on a recall setting. So so it's important, especially because this election will tend to be low voter turnout. And often a lot of the, the, the younger and progressive voters do not turn out uh, for the selections. Mm-hmm. We need to make sure that if it does occur, that we have a, a very high voter turnout. But quite frankly, the first mission is try to educate the public to stop uh, the signature gathering from getting the, the signatures that they need to have. Yeah, that was a really good point you made about uh, basically Republicans trying to bully themselves in in office. And uh, it was a good example you brought up, uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger, right after Governor Gray Davis was recalled. And, right. you know, we hope that uh, more people... Uh, educate themselves and go beneath the surface uh, and not just listen to these signature gatherers word the sound bites and that they use just to get someone to to sign and uh, and to uh, you know I, I think you mentioned the the website which is stand with gascon correct correct standwithgascon.org yeah standwithgascon.org um, for yep. those of you who want to get updates and information and see how you can help and support. Um, you know, we just need to all do our part and not wait until election, but actually we can do preventative measures now so that it doesn't have to go there because uh, we finally have a district attorney that we are very proud of and that's doing uh, a lot of great work that so many of us have been asking for so many years. And uh, we also need to fight for that and fight for you. I do want to ask you um, about your recent resignation uh, from the District Attorneys Association and just give you an opportunity to explain how that happened in your decision. Yeah, you know, the, the, the California District Attorney Association is composed of 58 elected district attorneys in the state. And interestingly enough, you have the LA District Attorney, for instance, you know, I represent over 10 million people, and you have uh, the District Attorney from a county that has under 100,000 people, and his or her vote is exactly equal to mine. And what we have seen for years, and I saw that when I was a District Attorney in San Francisco for nearly nine years, that the organization is being hijacked by very conservative counties, uh, rural counties, and, and some other people in the uh, in the uh, or, you know the organization, actually, interestingly enough, people think of California being blue. But when you look at the elected DAs around the state, uh, almost all of them, I think there are only three or four that are that are not Republicans, right? I mean, we've seen a couple now register as independents as they're trying to run for a race uh, at the state level and trying to disguise what they have been Republicans uh, until recently. So uh, there were several things that really caused my final uh, 
uh, you know, decision to resign. One was the, uh, the, the, the organization is under investigation for misappropriation of public funds. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this had to do with uh, money that the association was receiving to assist in the uh, prosecution in, uh, of environmental crimes and, and the education of environmental crimes and consumer. And instead, they were using some of that money to pay for their basic expenses, including uh, political uh, political activities around opposing reform measures, both at the state level with legislators as well as uh, in other areas. And um, so not only were they keeping money that was intended for the purpose of helping the public, but then they were turning around that money and, and in addition to using that money for for electoral activities to fight reform uh, and thus under investigation. Uh, the other thing, you know, besides the misappropriation of funding, frankly, is their, you know, their, their insistence in, in staying in, in, in a highly carceral world uh, and uh, fighting every single reform effort, you know, supporting the death penalty, supporting putting children in adult prisons, supporting enhancements, uh, you know, just whatever whatever the science and data says about not to do, they, they go the other direction. Right. I, I thought that I just could no longer, uh, you know, be a dues-paying member to an organization that is so uh, regressive and that doesn't serve the, the, the will of the majority of the people in the state of California. Wow. Well, my hat off to you. It's... Uh... Sounds like if something is that dysfunctional, there's no point in staying in there, and uh, especially you know, with so different from your values and values, obviously, of uh, you know, LA voters who voted for you. Yep. Um, we talked a lot about some of the, the most important issues, um, not just about this attempt of, of a recall, but in general. But if someone is just tuning in, and by the way, uh, this is the Blunt Post with Vic on KPFK 90.7 FM. I'm your host, Vic Jarami. And uh, if you haven't been listening, uh, I am uh, speaking with uh, LA District Attorney George Gascon uh, as my guest. And we're talking about uh, just everything related to the District Attorney's Office. And uh, so my next question was going to be, what are, what are like three top issues or top points, bullet points that people really need to know about what you are doing and your vision? Yeah, I would say that if I was going to boil it to to three things, I would say number one is to ensure that we take a public health approach to dealing with community safety and community health. And that means bringing not only police and prosecutors to the table when we're addressing issues of violence and other problems in our community, but it's also bringing public health, it's bringing community activists, it's bringing, um, you know, intervention, it's bringing academia and research to the work. Uh, it's really shifting from a system that has been based on, on fear-mongering to a system that, that, that uses science and, and brings entire communities together. That's one. Uh, number two, which is actually connected to the first one, is to end systemic racism. There is just absolutely no question, and I think reasonable people that may disagree on many other things uh, are clear on the fact that the, the criminal legal system has targeted uh, black and brown people disproportionately for conduct that is often committed in, in other communities, and, and that has driven mass incarceration and, and, and quite frankly 
the illegitimacy of the system in the eyes of many members of the community. And then I would say that thirdly, that you know, looking through safety through a public health lens, looking at systemic racism, has to uh, address the issue of police accountability and the interplay of mass incarceration and, and you know the, the 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 all the drivers that that impact uh, the unfairness and the the, the you know the, the disproportionality in our system. Wow, that was well done. That was well done. I mean, who, who can argue with that? You know, I, I know that I'm preaching to the choir, not just you, but uh, most of our listeners. But for those that maybe haven't been as familiar with what's been happening is, at least in the last 25 years or so that I've been sort of conscious uh, as an adult about uh, a lot of our law enforcement issues and high-profile cases and district attorney's office, there have been so many, so many um, issues and problems and challenges that have been inherited by every district attorney. No one's done anything substantial about it. And it reminds me of this the slogan, uh, if nothing changes, nothing changes. So uh, the three bullet points you described are major changes in, in approach and in psychology and in, in uh, our attitude toward things. Uh, of course, racism and uh, uh, you know, systematic racism in law enforcement and such. It's, it's been such a big part of the fabric of America, not only just LA. And, uh, you know, um, I'm, I'm very grateful for what you're doing. Uh, you definitely have my support. And uh, before we go, George, is there anything that you'd like to add? Maybe perhaps there was a question I should have asked you. You know, Vic, I, I think you covered it all, but I, I think it bears repeating uh, a point that we made earlier. This effort uh, to recall me, uh, as well as what you see around other parts of the state when it deals with progressive district attorney, this is really not about community safety. This is really about punishing, keeping the death penalty, sending children to adult court and then adult prison. But more importantly, this is about a system that has huge economic and political incentives to stay where they are. Uh, in the last 30 years, we built 22 prisons in California and one, one uh, public university. Those prison systems uh, have tremendous economic uh, uh, ecosystems, right? Not only the people that are working in the prison, but all supply systems, uh, every mechanism to build that. That money that goes into the system then, then drives political strength. Um, the increase in policing uh, around our state, the increasing in, in the size of prosecutors' offices, that all builds an economic structure that then feeds a political structure that for ye for years have dominated the the conversation when we're talking about community safety and misleading the public to continue to feed a system that really is not about safety, but it's about feeding its own economic and, 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 uh, and uh, political interests. And I'm not even going into the bail bonds industry and the private prisons, all these other uh, ancillary industries that are heavily uh, vested in maintaining the carceral system that we have. So I think that it's important to understand this recall is not about safety. You're going to hear about, you know, 
you know, it's about caring for victims. They, they could care less about victims. And in fact, that, you know, victims by and large support rehabilitation. Uh, and what we have been doing actually has created more insecurity. I have been in this business for nearly 40 years. I've reduced violent crime in every place that I've worked. L.A. County, uh, before COVID, had a 25% increase in violence, and yet it incarcerated people at rates higher than 57 of the other counties, which is a lot to say because you're peer, you're dealing with very conservative counties. So clearly that doesn't bring safety, but but the arguments that you hear are arguments that do not want to address this, this glaring facts about how the system is failing, because again, it's an economic and political issue, and they don't want to let go. Yep, it's the, it's the prison industrial complex that Yep. It's a huge force uh, politically, financially, and uh, the people on top, they don't want that compromised. So uh, well said. And uh, once again, uh, if you want to support George, get updates, um, whatnot, please go to standwithgascon.org. Um, and uh, any parting words, George? Vic, thank you so much for the support. Thank you for, uh, to all the listeners. Uh, you know, we're a historic moment. And what we do matters. Uh, it's important that people understand that sitting is not an option. If we're not willing to fight, democracy is fragile, and we are at a point in our history where democracy is in peril, um, whether it's in L.A. County or it's nationally. So I encourage everybody to understand that it's so critical yes. that we exercise our, our right uh, to be heard, our right to vote, our right to be involved. Absolutely. Thank you, George, for being on the show. I know you're super busy, to, to say the least. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. That was my interview with uh, L.A. District Attorney George Gascon, who in a short time uh, since being in office, he's already made great impact on the L.A. District Attorney's office and initiated great reform that's been needed and wanted for decades. Uh, thank you for being on the show, George. I really appreciate your time and good luck to you. Before we go, I'd like to thank my producer, Ricky Herrera, without whom this show would not be possible. And KPFK, the station that brings you unfiltered and commercial free news, opinion, and hopefully some inspiration. Thank you for joining me today on The Blunt Post with Vic. Tune in next Monday at 6 a.m. for another episode. For more information, please visit thebluntpost.com. You can also follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Vic Jarami, at V-I-C-G-E-R-A-M-I. Thank you. The Blunt Post with Vic.